Good morning, everyone. I'm going to bring the Bible reading this morning, and it's a great passage to be reading on a bit of a strange week when maybe a bit more fear and concern for some people. So if you could turn to Psalm chapter 27, and I'll read that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Well, as was mentioned, it's uh, Psalm 27 that we're looking at this morning. So if you had a Bible open there, that would be a helpful thing. But I'm going to pray for us before we look at this together. Father, we want to thank you that we have your word. We want to thank you that even though we may live in uncertain times, you are the God who rules over all things, who can be trusted at all times and under all circumstances. Uh, And we pray that as we look at what your word says today, that we'll have a better understanding of the trust that we ought to place in you and your son, Jesus. And we pray those things in his name. Amen. There's some music that stands the test of time that's quite ageless, I suppose. There are some songs that when you hear them on the radio, it doesn't matter how old they are, they just never seem to get old. Uh, back in 1997, uh, 1977, sorry, the Voyager spacecraft was launched out into the galaxy. They sent it off in the hope that they might find intelligent life forms out there somewhere in space. And they sent it out and I feel a little weird saying this, but 
with a record, an LP for those people who might be old enough to remember them. I would have said vinyl, but it wasn't made of vinyl. It was actually made of gold. And the LP actually had a whole bunch of greetings in a whole range of different languages. And they also put some music onto this record. So uh, for those of you who may not understand what a record is, if you can see the screen, uh, there was a little needle that came down and sat inside a groove on a piece of vinyl and the noise came out from there. So on this LP, this record that they sent out into space, they had some Beethoven and some Bach and some Mozart. But what's what else would you put on there? What's the timeless music? Well, they had Chuck Berry singing Johnny Be Good which I think I can understand probably even more than Beethoven and Bach and Mozart. There are some songs that stand the test of time, and that's absolutely true when it comes to the Psalms. Uh, two weeks ago, Simon took us through Psalm 23, probably the best known of the Psalms. Now, there is a Psalm that was written around about 3,000 years ago, and millions of people on this planet today would be able to recite that psalm off by heart. It stood the test of time. Well, this morning we're looking at another psalm from King David, perhaps not as well known as Psalm 23, but a song that still stood the test of time because 3,000 years later we're reading it and learning from it. So it'd be great if you had a Bible open there and... Have a look at the first part of what he, what uh, David gives us in this psalm. He expresses his great confidence in God and he uses pretty remarkable language to do it. Look at how the psalm starts. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And in these verses, he talks about foes and enemies, the people and possibly even the armies that might be looking to attack him. Now, in that kind of situation, I'm, I'm guessing it would be very easy to feel fear, to be scared of what the future might hold. But for David, those things pose no threat whatsoever. And his confidence comes not from some inner strength, not because he's a resilient person. His confidence comes from three things. The first of those is that Yahweh, God, is his light. This is a bit of an image that's lost on us today because we just take light for granted. We have a switch on the wall and the light comes on. Uh, everyone's got lights right throughout their house. Our car has lights. Even now, we have phones that have lights in them as, as well. And it's only when you realise how precious light is through a blackout, that you can make a little bit more sense of a verse like this. I mean, for us, when the light goes out, we're fumbling around trying to find where our phone is so we can turn the torch on on the phone. Light, David says, is how we know where to go, the way that we should walk so that we don't stumble and don't trip. And that's exactly the way David uses the image here. David knows where to walk. He knows how to live because he knows God. Yahweh is his light. But he also says that God is his salvation, his saviour, his rescuer, his deliverer. 
He probably has in mind being rescued from his enemies. And that's what these verses all seem to be about. But God is also his stronghold. That's the third thing that we see. Now, it's important to note where the confidence comes from for David. He's clearly not boasting about his own ability. And it's not that he considers himself to be that strong, resilient person. This, for a king like David, must have been a reasonably humbling thing to admit that his confidence comes from trusting God not trusting his own inner strengths not trusting his skill with a sword and a shield his confidence comes from trusting God now again as we've as John already mentioned we need to remember the man who stands behind these words to understand what they mean King David spent part of his life on the run He had enemies. He had King Saul wanting to kill him a few times. And David spent quite a lot of his life hiding in caves. Later in life, it was David's own son who wanted him dead. And in a grab for power that makes Canberra politics look like child's play, David was forced to flee even from his own son. But I think the reason David is talking to himself in these verses is that he wants to remind himself of where his confidence comes from. He's reminding himself that God's got things under control, reminding himself that he's survived all of those things in the past because God has been his light and his salvation and his stronghold. Now, don't misunderstand what David's saying here. This isn't some kind of Peter Pan, I do believe in fairies chant that David's doing. David's confidence is born out of real life experience right throughout his whole life. He's not so much trying to convince himself with these words as remind himself that the Lord is his light and his stronghold. It's not clear what prompted him to write this psalm. Maybe something's come up, another enemy advancing on him and David's thinking through the situation and decided to put pen to paper. And he says, God is my light and my deliverer. God is my stronghold, and I don't have anything to fear. Jump down to verse number seven. This is where the psalm changes. David stops talking to himself, which is what he's done in those first six verses, and starts talking directly to God. He expresses his concern. He's now calling on God to protect him from his enemies. But it's not just a cry for help. He's not just saying, can you dig me out of this hole again, please, God? The confidence expressed here in this opening section is the confidence that God is his light and his stronghold. Well, this is where the rubber hits the road for David. If you really do see God as your light and your deliverer and your stronghold, then you will call on him in difficult times. If God is all of those things to you, then he's got to be the one that you turn to, the one that you cry out to. So David is calling on the very same God that he's already talked about in those first six verses. But this is important. David's not just wanting God to step in and to intervene. What David is wanting is to live faithfully and consistently 
in his relationship with God. Look at what he says in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. In the face of opposition, David says that he wants to do the right thing. He wants God to show him how to live. He doesn't want his oppressors to dictate his actions. He wants his relationship with God to shape his actions. He wants God's light to guide his steps. See, for all of the shortcomings of this man, despite all of the major stuff-ups in his life, and he did stuff up badly a number of times, deep down he wanted to live a life that was consistent with a relationship with God. Let me take you back to the first part of the psalm. Uh, Find verse number four. I'm not sure if you've uh, seen the movie City Slickers. Uh, Billy Crystal is in the movie uh, and he is, he's a businessman who works in the city and he's going through a bit of a midlife crisis. So he organises to go on a cattle drive and Jack Palance is the uh, the cowboy who's heading up this cattle drive. But my favourite scene in this movie uh, is a point where he's having a conversation with Jack Palance about what the meaning of his life is. And Jack Palance gives him this great piece of advice. If you look at the screen, um, I'm hoping you'll be able to hear this as well. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. Can I say, David has figured out that one thing. You see it there in verse number four. He even says that it's the one thing. Psalm 27, verse four. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, two verses before this, David talked about evil men who were advancing against him, enemies who were attacking him, armies that were besieging him. You'd understand if the one thing that he wanted was for God to crush all of those enemies. But that's not the one thing that he asks for. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, don't misunderstand what David's saying here. He's not saying he wants to hide away in a monastery and never encounter the outside world. That's not it at all. If you had to sum up what he's saying here, he wants his relationship with God to be the highest priority in his life. Everyone in life is driven by something. Everyone has a reason to get out of bed in the morning. For most people, they're driven by a desire for security, a desire for success, for money, for popularity, for pleasure. David says that the one thing that he wants is a life shaped by his relationship with God. God is his light and his stronghold and he wants to walk more closely in that light. 
He wants God to be the light more and more for him every day. And he wants God to increasingly be his stronghold. He wants to grow in that confidence in God. He wants to trust God no matter how many enemies there are, no matter how many people are standing up against him. And that's what gets echoed in the closing verses of the psalm, verse 13 and 14. Still, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord. What he means is continuing to trust God, even in a world where things might seem out of control because we can know that it's a world where God has things under control. Some people may think that sounds a little bit crazy to believe in some transcendent being who has the world in his control. But with the most up-to-date statistics that we've got, we're told that 60% of Australians do believe that, that they believe there is some being, some force outside of their world where that God is in charge and rules over everything. For David, it's what makes sense of the world. It's what makes sense of his experience. David knows that's what he's been wired for, to know God, not simply to know about God, but to know God personally and to live a a life shaped by that relationship with God. On the last night before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed with his disciples in the upper room. John chapter 17 verse 3 says this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's it. That's the one thing, to know God and Jesus personally. That's the one thing that should shape every part of our lives. So how's that going to show itself in your life this week? If you're sitting on Zoom meetings all week or if you're stuck at home with small children, how will that? Knowing God and knowing Jesus, how will that shape your week? How will it shape how you speak to others? How will it shape how you act towards others? How will it show itself in the concern that you have for others? How will knowing Jesus make a difference in your life, in the way that you act, even just in your own home? What things will you do this week simply because your life is shaped by your relationship with God? Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's being generous towards someone. Maybe you can stop and think who it is that you can help out, serve, show kindness to in what's going to be a difficult few weeks for many people. Lives shaped by a relationship with God. That's the one thing 
That's the one thing that should guide and shape and direct our lives. Knowing God and knowing Jesus.